time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. And they've got a vision and a mission for their life. What's up, everybody? Everybody doing all right tonight? Oh, you guys are having a sad day, huh? Sad day. Is everybody okay? Diego's doing well. Doing well? Good. Well, I'm doing good. Good. Well, hey, thanks for coming out. Uh, I know we just watched, you know, like a sitcom worth of videos about it, but how many of you guys are, re- are excited about retreat? Anybody? I'm super excited. Who, who's going to retreat? Let me hear you if you're going this weekend. All right. Good. Well, I'm, uh, I'm really excited. Uh, do, you guys, do you guys love the Cruise Bros in there and their announcements? They just love the Cruise Bros. They are fantastic. They, uh, they announced, uh, you know, the, uh, the famous theme dinner. Everybody have your costumes ready? Everybody know what superhero you're coming as? I've, I've, I have some favorites out there that I've heard so far that I can't wait to see. Uh, if you don't have your costume yet, you need to get it. But I want to just go ahead and let you know ahead of time that it will pale in comparison to the staff. And you will lose to us because we are bringing it this year. All right, but we will have, <laughs> we will have a, uh, a, a, a winner for the best Best costume, best superhero, so uh, get creative and come on out. All right, so we're in this series here called Get in the Game, yeah? Do you guys know that? Good. A couple weeks ago, David talked on uh, living in the power of God and and what that looks like. Last week, Chris Durso came and talked about the journey. Did you guys enjoy, Pastor Chris? Did you guys enjoy that? Talked about the journey and... And what happens is we are living for God and the ups and the downs and oh, the places that you will go and all that stuff. And so tonight we're going to continue talking about getting in the game. As we're doing this series, what, we're, what are we really talking about is we're talking about you guys jumping out and getting involved today in this moment, in this season of your life and advancing the kingdom of God. We're talking about that you, can, you don't have to wait till you're older. You don't have to wait till later. You don't have to have somebody else do it. But you can be involved and you can get involved today and advance the kingdom. So that's what we're talking about. And so let's go ahead and pray and then we're going to jump in. Father, we welcome you here tonight. God, I thank you for my friends that have come and are spending this time together. I thank you for the ability to worship you, to gather together. And God, I ask that you will speak to us here this evening. Stir our hearts within us. In Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. All right. 1 Corinthians 9, 24. This is one of my favorite verses in the entire Bible. I'm going to read it tonight in the message version. This is uh, 9, 24 through 27. It says, You've all been to the stadium and seen the athletes race. Everyone runs, one wins. Run to win. All good athletes train hard. They do it for a gold medal that tarnishes and fades year after one that's gold for eternal, eternally. I don't know about you, but I'm running hard to the finish line. I'm giving it everything I've got. No sloppy living for me. I'm staying alert and in top condition. I'm not going to get caught napping, telling everyone else about it, and then missing out myself. I was, uh, this past weekend, I was hanging out with some of my buddies, and we were watching a, uh, a football game. Is a rather well-known football game where... Uh, the University of Oklahoma dominated the uh, Texas Longhorns. And so that was a fantastic moment for me. 
And uh, I'm, we're sitting there, and, and about halfway through the game, one of my friends, uh, he, he's just like, he, he asked everybody, he's like, man, do you guys ever, like, just dream about being at a game and, like, something happens, and for some reason, the coach calls you out of the stands, and you come down, and, and they need you to play? And everybody looked at him, and everybody was like, what are you talking about? And I looked at him, and I was like, yes! Every time I'm at a game, I'm like, you know, if enough people get hurt, then they might need someone to come down from the stands and participate. And I was like, yeah, I, I actually do. I don't know if you've ever had that thought, but it really makes it more fun when you're at the game because you have this anticipation of like, maybe they'll put you in, you know? So, so but, but the truth is, is that a lot of us, I would say all of us have a dream to be active and to be used in some way to make a difference in our lifetime. For those of you that have given your life to Jesus, you have, many of you have a dream for God to use you to make an impact for his kingdom. And anytime you have, as Paul is describing here, a race or a sporting event, you have two kinds of people that are, that are in the stadium. You have participants and you have spectators. You have people that are in the game that are, that are playing and making a difference for, to the outcome. And you have people that are watching the game. And I think so many times we want to be in the game. We want to be involved. We want to, be, we want to, we want to have, put our mark on it. But a lot of times we settle for just being spectators. And I want to encourage all of you tonight that you don't have to be a spectator. That God has designed you. He's put dreams in your heart. He wants to use you to be a participant in what he's doing today. So I, uh, when, I was, when, I was a, a, when I was little, or I should say when I was younger, uh, I, I, played, I played football. Anybody play like, like Little League football or Pee Wee football? No one? No one? So I, I, I played, and I, man, it took some convincing to get my parents to let me play. But I was like, listen, mom, dad, I'm going to be so good that one day I will buy you a new house with my signing bonus that I get when I go to the NFL. And, uh, and so they let me play football. And uh, I don't really think that's what convinced them. And I remember getting so excited. I ran through the house screaming. I was, I was so excited that I got to be on the football team. And so I went and I got all my, I got my pads. I got my helmet. I, I, I started like drawing on my helmet because I wanted it to be cool. And that, then it wasn't cool because I was like, I drew on it. That's weird. And so people were like, what are you doing? But I got all the gear. I put on my shoulder pad. I was, I was so excited. I got to practice and we, all of a sudden we started doing drills and I was like, wait a minute, this is not as fun as I thought it was going to be, but at least I'm playing football. Like, at least I get to do this. I'm going to be involved. This is going to be awesome. I cannot wait. And so I practiced. I would stay up late. I was studying my playbook. I, I played a, a wide receiver. I practiced wide receiver. And, uh, and so I, I was, you know, I was studying the playbook and I wanted to know what was going on. And, and we would get in, in practice and we would run and we would do calisthenics. And I was like, it's all going to be worth it when I get to the game and I get to play. So I remember my first game, I, uh, I get my uniform on. We were the Raiders. Nico would be proud of that. I was, uh, I was number 22, which was Emmett Smith's number. So I was like, hey, oh yeah, that's awesome. And so uh, I got to my game, and I got, I got all suited up, and, and then all of a sudden, 
it hit me. I really had to go to the bathroom. And I was like, I got so much pads on, I don't know what to do. So I did what I had to do. And then I got to the, I got to the sideline. And, I, and people were like, man, you've already run so much, you're kind of building up a sweat. And I'm like, I'm, yeah, anyway, that has nothing to do with the story. But I did, I peed my pants, I'm not going to lie. I peed my pants on the sideline. What do you expect me to do? What else was I supposed to do? So we get to, to game time, right? And all of a sudden... This crazy thing happens to me. I didn't want to get in the game. All of a sudden, I was like, you know, those guys over there, they're pretty big. And if I was playing, they want to hit me as hard as they can. And they're trying to hurt me. And all of a sudden, I, I, I went from this excitement of being involved to like this fear of, what if he puts me in? Like, what if the coach puts me in and they run a play and they throw it to me and I drop it? That's going to be really embarrassing. And I don't want that. I think that, I think for many of us, we come to DSM or something like this and we hear the talk about getting in the game and we get so excited. We, we get so inspired about being active. And we're like, yeah, I'm going to do it. And we talk a big game and we're really excited. But then when it comes time to actually do something, this crazy thing happens to us. And we just begin to get scared. And the truth is, I believe that one of the primary things that will keep you from achieving the dreams God has put in your heart for this time in your life is fear. It's the fear of the unknown. It's the fear of what people are going to think of you. It's the fear of what may, might possibly happen. And we come up with all these situations and scenarios and, and we begin to just live in fear. Oftentimes the people that God uses are the people that decide to move forward in the face of their fear. So one of my favorite stories uh, in the Bible is in the book of Numbers. Anybody ever read the book of Numbers? Yeah, I know most of you are like, uh, you just said the book of Numbers. Why would I... <laughs> So in Numbers 13 and 14, it's the story of, uh, of, of the Israelites. They're going and, and they're going to take over the promised land. So God says that you're going to take it over. So uh, tells Moses, rally the leaders and, uh, and send them to go scout out the land and go, go look. And so, so Moses gets all of the leaders, one leader from every tribe. And it says that. He says he gets the leaders from every tribe and he brings them together. And he's like, okay, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go out. I want you to scout out what this land has looked like. I want, I want to know what the crops are like. I want to know what the fruit is like. I want to know what the people are like. If we're going to take over this place, we need to know what we're getting ourselves into. And so these guys are like, all right, we're in. We'll do it. That's fine. We're going for it. And so uh, you can read in Numbers 13. It starts to talk about their journey and all the different places they go. And it really sounds like, like Narnia or something, all the names. I can't even pronounce them, so that's why I'm just telling you the story. And so they, they, they go through, and, and they're, like, they're amazed at how incredible the land was and how lush it was and the fruit that, that it's growing. And, and it's just like, they're like, this place is awesome. And so Moses had told them to bring back some fruit. And so they picked a cluster of grapes. This is really weird. You can read this in your Bible. I don't understand this. They pick a cluster of grapes, and then they, they're going to bring it back to, the, to, to show everybody, but they, they have to hang it on a stick and have two people carry it. 
Those are really big grapes. Or really weak people. I mean, but like, I mean, I can't imagine putting like a little cluster of grapes on a stick and people carrying, that would, I mean, I bet you people would just make fun of them. I mean, I'm picturing these massive grapes and they're like carrying their grapes and they're like, hey, what if we just tied this to a stick? I want to eat one of those grapes. Like, don't you guys want one of those grapes? I mean, a grape the size of your head and then a whole cluster of them, you've got to put it on a stick and carry it. That's awesome. So this, this land was incredible. And they were like, man, it's, it's amazing. But then they started seeing the people. And the people that eat grapes this big are big people. And so they were like, uh-oh, these guys are massive. And so they come back to report what's going on. And they give the report of the land. They're like, listen, this place is awesome. It's beautiful. Look at the grapes. I mean, it's there. Look at these. And they play kickball with the grape, you know, and it's like, they're like, this is awesome. But there's one little problem. Uh, the people are giants. They said, actually, we kind of look like grasshoppers in our own eyes compared to them. I don't even know what they think. I mean, th- these people, they're going to like just step on us and we have no shot. Like we can't, this is a great, Moses, why did you send us in here? You know, like you sent us in to go see this incredible place that we can never live because these people will kill us if we go back there. I mean, they are huge. And so they start to spread this throughout the people. And all of a sudden the people start getting scared. And the people start complaining. And the people start saying, why are we out here? We should have stayed in Egypt. Why did we come? This doesn't, what, we need to elect a leader that's going to take us back. There's two guys that weren't scared of the grape-eating giants. And all of a sudden, when, these guys are, when, when all the guys are complaining and, and spreading fear throughout the camp, Caleb stands up, and Joshua, and Caleb says, Look, fellas. We can do this. God has given us this land. God has told us to go. Why are, we, why are we staying back? Listen, when Caleb says this, it's not that he saw different people. It's not that he went and he saw, he, you know, he saw little people and they saw big people. You know, like, it's not, that, it's not like he was like, oh, I'm, I'm, it's, it's not like Caleb was a giant, you know? And so he's like, listen, I'm huge. And so I can, t-. no, but Caleb had confidence in God. So there was two people, Caleb and Joshua. These were the only two guys that had the courage to say, no, we can go. We can do this. I love that Joshua was involved. Joshua was, was going to be the, the next leader of the people. He was the one that was kind of Moses' uh, understudy, his sidekick. And so I, I, I believe that part of why he was, was that was because he had this courage. Whenever you read Joshua, when Joshua was inaugurated into becoming the leader, the Lord says to him, be strong and courageous. If you read Joshua 1, three times the Lord says to him, be strong and be of good courage. He's speaking courage into Joshua. And when we see Joshua living out his life, he's not one of the cowards. He's one that walks in courage. And I want to encourage you guys tonight that I believe one of the things that will hold us back is fear. But one of the things that will propel us forward is having courage. And, and even as we, as we look into that, the, the thing, what, what is it that's going to give us the ability to not have fear? I think as we read the scripture, we see that 
we read in, in, in 1 John that perfect love casts out fear. A few verses earlier, it says God is love. See, the thing that, that Joshua and Caleb knew that apparently everybody else didn't was God. The thing that they knew wasn't how big the other people were or wasn't how great their strategy was. They knew that they had a God, a good God, who had told them to take the land and they were gonna be obedient. I want you guys to know tonight that you have a God that Romans 8 says that is for you. That God is for you. And so the next time you feel like, man, I, I want to get involved. I want to do something great for the kingdom. I, wanna, I want God to use me. But I just, I'm a little scared. I'm a little nervous. I don't know. I want you to remember that God is for you. So I, I, I was playing uh, on, this, on this football team. And uh, I invited my youth pastor to come watch me stand. And, uh, and so he came and he was hanging out. And, uh, and so after the game, he was like, he, he pulled me aside and he was like, hey, how, how'd you enjoy that? And I was like, oh, I stood, you know, I was like, it's great. It's wonderful. And, uh, and he said, do you, do you want to play? And I was like, yeah, of course. He said, okay, well, if you want to play, then maybe you should stand next to your coach. And I was like, what is that? That doesn't make any sense. Uh, you know, he'll put me in if he wants to. And he said, okay, that's fine. But but just try it. Just next game, rather than hiding from your coach, maybe stand next to him. And see, what I had done is because I had started to get timid, because I was afraid of playing, I was actually hiding from my coach. I didn't even really notice that I was doing this, but I was, my coach would be at one end. I was all the way at the other end in the back behind the lineman. You know, like I was like, I don't want to be seen. If he sees me, he might put me in. And if he puts me in, that might be embarrassing. But I wanted to play. That was why I was on the team, because I wanted to be involved. But I just, I had this fear, and this fear was causing my actions to cause me to run away from my coach. I think many of us do that with God. We say we want to be involved, and, and truly, we really do want God to use us. But if we allow fear to fester, and if we allow the, if our minds to think of all the bad things that could happen... We say with our mouth that we want God to use us, but our heart posture and our actions are that we pull away from him. Rather than pushing towards him, we pull away. So the next game, I stood next to my coach. And I was, I was standing there. And uh, I just began to, with my body language uh, and sometimes with my words, say, hey, put me in, coach. Put me in, coach. I want to play. I want to play. I began to cheer for the team, my teammates that were already out there. I began to follow my coach around like a little puppy dog, you know. And, and I was just, anywhere he went, I went. I was going to be next to him. And you know what he did? He put me in. I played. I got in. And I was terrified. And I was like, oh, it worked. Here I am. If we want to be people used by God, we need to place ourselves in a position to tell him we want him to use us. We need to pursue him. We need to, James 4, 8, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. 
If you want God to use you where you're at today, and I'm telling you, he will. He wants to. But it's one thing to say it here on a Wednesday night. And it's another thing to live like it on Thursday morning. It's another thing to live like it on Friday. Are we people that are placing ourselves close to God? I think one of the reasons that Joshua had courage was because he understood this idea. He understood getting close to God. He understood, he understood worshiping and, and, and spending time with and knowing God. In Exodus 30, 33, 11, when Joshua was a young man, when he was, when, this, is before he, this is before he led the people to take over Jericho. This is before he led the people and said, hey, we can do this. We don't need to be scared. This is before God spoke to him and said, be strong and of good courage. This is before he was the man. This is before he was the leader. What do we see in Exodus 33? Moses takes Joshua to Mount Sinai, to the place where God is. And I want to read this. Exodus 33, uh, verse 11, it says this. And the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks with his friend. Then Moses would return to the camp. But his young aide Joshua did not leave the tent. His young aide Joshua stayed in the place where God was. He stayed close to where his God was. If we want to be people that want to be used by God, if we want God to use, if you want God to use you where you're at, Today, I believe God wants to use you 10 years from now. There's no doubt about it. I believe that there, God has dreams for you for when you are, are much older than you are today. But I believe he has dreams for you now. I know that he has dreams for you today. And if we want to be the kind of people who get used by the Lord, the kind of people that, that advance the kingdom and we got, we got to be the kind of people that get to know him, that spend time with him, that, that, that put ourselves close to where he is. Because what we're doing, by, by doing that, we are saying with our heart posture, God, I am willing for you to use me. Isaiah 6, he's looking for the willing ones. He's looking for the, listen, you could be the best and the brightest, but if you're not willing, he won't use you. You could not be the best and the brightest, but if you're willing, he will. I told you my coach put me in the game because I stood next to him and annoyed him enough that he finally put me in. But he was a smart coach. He didn't put me in at quarterback. I was half the size of everybody else. I couldn't see over the linemen. He didn't put me in at wide receiver. He knew I wouldn't run the right route. He put me in, I, play, I, I was in on kickoff coverage. I was on special teams. And he said, here's what you do. Go line up, don't move till they kick the ball, and then go hit somebody. And so you know what I did? I went in the game, I lined up, I didn't move till they kicked, and then I went and I hit someone in the back as hard as I could. I laid them out. I don't know if you know, but you're not allowed to hit people in the back. But the ref didn't call it. There was no flag. The, coach, the other coach was yelling. I was like, what you yelling at, man? That was a clean hit. That was a clean hit. That was good. Listen, we have dreams of God using us to do awesome and great things. God knows where you're at. He wants you to be involved. He's not going to put you in a place where you will fail. He's not going to put you in at quarterback if you're not ready to. He's not going to throw you in in a place where you will be swallowed up and overcome and like, ah, oh, I can't believe I, I wanted God to use me, but man, this was too much. He is a God that loves you. He's a God that is for you. 
He's a God that supports you. He will never leave you or forsake you. And he wants you to be a part of his story. He wants you to be a part. He's the one that wins. He's the star of this story. He's the, he's the one that has all the power and all the ability. And we get to be a part. And that's exciting. And that's what we've been called to be. And so I, I want to encourage you tonight. As we talk about the idea of, of get in the game, as we're, as we're challenging you guys to, to get up and, and be someone who is advancing the kingdom today, that the best way that you'll do that is if you get to know God. The, the most strategic way is not to sit down and think, okay, how, is, how can I best reach my campus for, for, for the kingdom? That comes later. The first thing is you got to get to know the one for whom you're advancing the kingdom. You got to get to know God. And in so doing, when you get to know him, you find out, oh, I have a God that loves me. Therefore, I don't need to fear. Oh, I have a God that's all powerful. Therefore, it's not on my own strength. Oh, I have a God that's all, that, is wis- that is wisdom. Therefore, he's going to give me the idea. I don't have to come up with it on my own. Oh, God is actually awesome. This thing isn't about me. It's about him. Now, God, what do you want me to do? I'll be a part. And I believe if we will be the kind of people that continually press after him, that go after him, that say, God, I want to know you, then he he will look at you and he will say, I cannot wait to get you in the game. I cannot wait for you to have an impact, for you to make a difference in the kingdom. At age 15, at age 16, some of my favorite stories are of high school students who, who took the verse that said, don't let people look down on you because you are young. And they said, okay, I won't. And people may tell me I can't do this, but I'm going to start a prayer meeting at my school. Or I'm going to, I'm going to set up a, a, an outreach in my city. Or I'm going to start a ministry to the homeless here. And the high school students, we say this all the time, but nobody has the ability to reach your school like you. David can't, Stefan can't, I can't. No one can impact your friends like you. No one can impact your family like you. This thing is about you. Desperation started because people a couple years older than you, straight out of high school, began to pray together and said, what, do we want, what, what is God wanting to do? And it started in the beginning with fresh out of high school people praying together and saying, we want to see a student-led youth movement across this country. Today, that's still what we want. I believe that God will give you dreams for how to reach your school. I believe God will give you vision for how to reach this city. I believe for some of you, God will give you ideas of how to reach the nations. But it starts by getting to know him. It starts by getting over who we think we need to be not trying to, we're not trying to get you to live into some kind of performance, like you got to get your whole school saved or you didn't really do anything. No, 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 no. You got to be obedient. The thing that Joshua and Caleb did, they, they, they didn't take out the land because they were strong and they were awesome and they had great strategy. They believed it was possible because God had told them and they were obedient. We want to be obedient to what he is doing, what he's telling you. But I believe that God wants to use your gifts, your talents, your abilities, your influence on your friends. And it will look totally different 
than what it looked like for me and my friends when, I was, when we were in high school. It will look totally different for those of you that go to, to LP compared to those of you that go to DCC. It'll look totally different based on who you are. God wants to use you, but it's if we will give ourselves to him. At the end of the day, I believe that all of us want to be involved in something great. And for those that have given themselves to Jesus, there is no greater cause than seeing his name glorified and his kingdom advanced. And you can do it today. I want to show you uh, this quick video of a young lady who in high school decided to be obedient to the Lord on what he called her to do and the impact that she's making. I was just an American teenager living selfishly for myself, whatever I could do to better my own life. And then I met Christ and everything changed. I couldn't live like that anymore. I had to do something differently. I couldn't live selfishly anymore. And Christ enabled me to do that. He sent me to Africa in 2009 and I met the people his heart beats for, the people that he loves that no one else knows about. I wanted to make a difference in their lives. The Lord gave me this idea of students giving up Starbucks and Chipotle to make a difference, this idea of sacrificial giving. And it doesn't have to be through any kind of certain organization or certain place, but this idea works across the board. You give up something to better the life of someone else. So God showed me that if everyone does a little bit, it becomes a lot. And if everyone does their part, it becomes huge. I was obedient to what the Lord asked me, and I never would have dreamed five years ago, even two years ago, that I would be helping orphans halfway across the world, but He makes you capable. He, he enables you if you are willing to make the sacrifice that He asks you to, to help people in your neighborhood and across the globe, any nation that He asks you to. So if you're feeling this in your heart right now, this tug, I urge you to answer it because he will equip you. He will enable you. He will provide what you need. You have to make the sacrifice though. I'm just one girl who God gave one vision to and I had one act of obedience and it's changing thousands of lives. God wants to use each one of you guys. He wants to give you dreams just like this girl. It's a familiar story, isn't it? We've heard it here. We, we've seen God do this before. But I believe that tonight, the Lord is giving you guys the invitation to dream, to ask him, God, what are your dreams and how can I be involved? And I want us to be the kind of people that respond to that. And I believe that your school will be different. I believe your, this city will be different. Who knows? I, this isn't about trying to create something where we impact thousands of lives. This is about trying to advance the kingdom. And what he does with it is an offering unto him. Proverbs 29, 18 says that where there is no vision, the people perish. 
I want us to begin asking God for vision. God, what vision do you have for, for my life? What vision do you have for my school? And then acting on it, one act of obedience. And who knows what God will do? Who knows what he will do? I want to invite you to stand with me. I want to pray for uh, a few different things tonight. But I just want to invite those of you uh, who feel like you desire God to give you a vision and, and a, to give you vision for how you are going to advance the kingdom today. No doubt about it, I want God to give you vision for your life. I want him to, to give you vision for uh, the next 10 years and the next 20 years. But, but in these few years that you have while you're in high school, if you want God to give you a vision for, for what he is doing and how you can be a part, I just want to invite you to come down and I want to pray for you. Just go ahead and put your hands out like this. Jesus, we ask tonight for your vision. God, we as DSM say that we desire to get in the game. We don't want to just be spectators. We want to be participants. We want to be those that are making a difference. But we don't want to do it in our own power or with our own wisdom, but with yours. So God, I pray tonight that you will supernaturally Give your vision for lives, your vision for friends, your vision for schools, for cities, for those that are in need. And God, I pray that this wouldn't be just a moment where we say it with our mouths, but our actions show that we're, we're timid, but that we would live this out every day. you feel like God's given you ideas and visions before, and when I say visions, I just mean he's given you a passion to do something or an idea, but you, you've allowed yourself to shrink back because of fear. I just want you to put your hand over your heart. I want to pray for those of you that have felt fear holding you back. Jesus, we ask that you will come and show your love show your strength that you will dispel fear from each one of us we don't want to be controlled by fear but we want to walk with courage and boldness we want to be bold and stout-hearted God God I ask that you would reveal yourself as father as protector as provider that fear would not hinder us from pressing and advancing the kingdom. And then for those of you all over the room, you don't have to be up front for this, but for those of you that, that feel like you need to get close to God, 
you've, you've kind of, you've said some of the right words, but you've pulled back and you kind of run from him and kind of hid from him. But you want to be one that is, that is pressing in and drawing near to God. I just want you to raise your hands to the Lord just as a sign of surrender, as a sign of saying, I'm coming after you, Lord. I want to know you. Jesus, I pray that each one of us will be people that pursue you all the days of our life. That we will place ourselves before you, that we will be worshipers, that we will know you, that we will seek you and we will find you because we are seeking you with all of our heart. God, I pray for wholehearted pursuit for DSM. And that in the place of knowing you, you would download to us the truth of who you are, your character, your passions, that we would get passionate about the things that you are passionate about. That our life would be defined as being worshipers. Those that have signed up to be a part of your kingdom. And over time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did. Because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. And they've got a vision and a mission for their life.